Welcome to the Saturday night of our missionary weekend. We're going to join together in the singing of a hymn, a missionary hymn. 675. Far, far away in heathen darkness dwelling, millions of souls forever may be lost. Who, who will go salvation storytelling, looking to Jesus, minding not the cost. <clears throat>
sing the, the final verse again. Good to have the Reverend Malcolm Patterson tonight, missionary to Kenya. And we'll ask him if he doesn't mind to come to the pulpit and lead us to the throne of grace and prayer. But let's sing this final verse again. God speed the day when those of every nation, glory to God, triumphantly shall sing. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, that we are gathered together in thy presence this evening. And we rejoice, O Lord, that thou dost look down upon this meeting tonight. And Lord, we thank thee for the opportunity that we have to gather together in thy name. And we thank you, Lord, for the cause in which this meeting has been convened this evening. And O Lord, we pray that thou would help us Lord, this evening to focus upon the great commission that you have given to your church. We pray, Lord, that you will still our hearts. Pray, Lord, you'd shut out distracting thoughts. And Lord, we pray that you'd help us to focus upon my work this evening. We thank you, Lord, that the commission is given, Lord, to go into all the world. And we know, Lord, that that includes Balamani. It includes throughout this United Kingdom. It includes throughout Europe and throughout the continents of the world. And we thank you, Lord, that you've given to this church a missionary vision. And we pray, Lord, that we would have that vision that thou didst have. We remember, Lord, how you looked out upon the people. Lord, you had compassion upon them as you saw them, Lord, as a shepherd without a, a flock without a shepherd. And Lord, you released those words that go into all the world, uh, Lord, that uh, how you raise those the sentiments, uh, Lord, how that the harvest is great, but the labors are few. And so, Lord, we pray that you could help us, Lord, indeed, to labor for thee. We know, Lord, that we all have a part in this work, uh, Lord, whether it is in the place of prayer, whether it is to give or to go. And we pray that each one of us, Lord, that we would uh, take the position which you have given to us, just as the soldiers in the army have, uh, those of different office have different roles to play. We pray, Lord, that you'd help us uh, to know the role that you've given to us and help us, Lord, indeed, to be good soldiers of the cross. So, Lord, we just look to thee. We pray for your blessing upon every aspect of the meeting this evening. We do pray that you'd undertake, uh, Lord, for the presentations that are being made, undertake for those who would bring messages and song. And we pray especially for those who would bring thy word. We pray that thou will be pleased to bless thy word. We pray it will come forth with power. We pray, Lord, that we, 
that thy servant would know the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And we pray, Lord, that we would all be conscious of your presence and your nearness this evening. Be pleased to grant it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, brother. Trust the Lord will bless you as uh, you will return to the land of Kenya and continue to serve him there. There is a story to tell of God's grace and his loving kindness towards the people who came to settle with us nearly two years ago. And that, of course, our friends, some of them are here tonight from the land of Ukraine. So we're just going to give a very short summary of that and what it has meant to us as a congregation to receive them. We trust the Lord will will bless you and encourage you and challenge you as we watch this presentation. Thank you. I was in Romania on a mission trip with one of my elders and another young man from the church when the war broke out in Ukraine on the 24th of February, almost two years ago. News was coming in how Russia had commenced their invasion it wasn't long before there were over 7 million refugees and over 15 million displaced persons. In the providence of God, a group of Ukrainians, mostly from the village of Stary Saltov, came to Balamuni. There is a story to tell about how our friends came to sojourn with us. Donald Fleming spoke at one of our services in Hebron on the 13th of March 2022. And that started a process of preparation to receive, at that time, 34 refugees. Most of them came to the church and others were accommodated elsewhere, including a bed and breakfast in Ballyboge and in her own home at the manse. Our congregation worked tirelessly to prepare facilities at the church so that life would be as comfortable and pleasant as possible. The first group arrived from Poland on the 16th of April and caused quite a stir at the airport with a television crew there to meet and interview them on arrival. The big welcome was at our church when our congregation turned out in strength to greet them. Other groups came during the following few months and also received a warm welcome at Hebron. They settled in quickly and became part of our church fellowship on a Sunday morning and the children also settled in the Sunday school. Having come with their own pastor, the group conducted their own Sunday night service on the Lord's Day. The next challenge was getting the children settled into local schools. The primary school at Ballyboge and the high school in her own town were most accommodating and received these children with open arms. Susan and I became the Ulster grandparents and took the children shopping for their school uniforms and stationery. In the matter of days, we had adopted 14 extra Ukrainian grandchildren. Another challenge was finding work for the adults who had come. We are grateful to Macaulay Engineering for opening their doors to most of the men who are still working there after all these months. Others found employment elsewhere and we appreciate all the help given to make this possible. A third huge challenge was getting our friends settled in their own homes, and eventually all of them found rented accommodation in and around the town. 
places to live that they could now, in a very real sense, call home. We are indebted to all those who helped with this project, providing their houses, organizing suitable furniture, and the help that was given with rent to get them started. There was even a baby born to Vika in August 2022 that brought great joy in the background of conflict for the husband and father of the family was back in Ukraine as a volunteer. Little Emily came home to the manse where she lived with us for the first part of her life. We eventually got accommodation for this little family. A few of the group, especially those with husbands and other family members back in Ukraine, returned to their homeland, but still keep in touch with us. As we had welcomed them, so we bid them farewell, sending them back with our prayers and support. The Ukrainians settled in among us, joined in for some special outings and events. We know of those who came to trust in Christ as Saviour and were baptised, and that was a special night to remember. Most of our Ukrainian friends have been with us from the beginning. But just recently, we received two Ukrainian girls, Dasha and Masha, who are twins. They arrived on the 22nd of September, just at the end of our gospel mission in Dalriada. That is 16 weeks ago, and they have settled in very well. This is amazing, especially as they didn't know anyone on arrival, including the Ukrainians. Please pray for our friends that God will continue to make a way for them and give them grace every day to be content so far away from home. Provide for their every need materially and spiritually that God's presence will go with them and his peace fill their hearts. We also pray that those among them who as yet do not know Christ as Saviour will be drawn by Calvary love to seek the Lord and come to know their sins forgiven. May the Lord be pleased to bring good out of evil, and may it not be long until the war in Ukraine is ended. May the Lord continue to bless you, brethren and sisters. Uh, we'll soon be celebrating two years here in the not too distant future. We had David with us last night and Rachel. It's a special weekend for us because we are thinking of them going as missionaries to the land of Uganda. And David is going to come now and bring a report for us. Thank you, David. Well, good evening, everyone. It is a privilege for me to be here, and I'm grateful for the opportunity just to stand here and even publicly just say a word of thanks to everyone who has, over the last years, and it has been years, that you have supported me in any way, whether it be prayerfully, financially, or even just by words of encouragement. And I say it has been years. I was thinking about it today. It's been about 10 years. And I'm sure when you're standing there going out uh, the door, you're shaking my hand again, and you see me up here again being prayed for, and now you're thinking, is he ever going to go? Well, finally, we're at the point 
we're going to go, God willing. So we'll come to cover that in just a moment's time. We are thankful to be here. And as I say, thankful for you and for those, you know who you are, who have supported us uh, prayerfully, financially. We know we wouldn't be here if not for God's people um, giving and praying for us. So do continue to pray for us. We're going through the deputations, as you've heard. So we're about 15 through, and we've got about 45 still to go. So it's going to be busy. Do pray for us. The Lord will just keep us at it, keep us motivated, and keep us fresh, even through them all. And just pray that it'll be a blessing. Of course, we, we want to pray that folks would get behind us prayerfully. Um, that's the first, first prayer point. We need people to pray. It's vital. We couldn't go without the, the prayers of God's people. And I have to say, even through the 15 deputations that we've done already, we've been very encouraged, people getting behind us and even saying they'll be praying for us. So we're thankful already for that, but also that the finance would come in. The mission board requests that um, we would meet the 70% of our first year's term, that is the 70% of the keep. So that a term is three years, so... Um, you can imagine what it takes to, to keep a family for three years. We have to raise 70% of that. So it's a big undertaking for our churches. So we appreciate anything that is given. And so do pray that that will be met. But even going beyond that, we want the deputations to count um, for others as well. As we deputize, go around all the meetings, we want others to, to really get the vision of the missionary. And if we even if the Lord was pleased to call out one person, we would count the deputations as a huge success because someone has caught the vision and they want to dedicate their lives to the Lord as well, whether it's at home or abroad. We would say, as missionaries, we pray that more missionaries would be called abroad. But if someone was spoken to through our deputations, that would be a huge answer to prayer as well. So pray for those deputations. Then I thought about bringing other updates and prayer requests to you, and I thought, how, how can I do that? Well, I thought of the, the different questions that I'm asked whenever I'm on deputation, and I thought, well, if there are questions that I'm being asked, then you might want to know the answers to them as well. First of all, what are you going to do is a question that's always asked. What are you actually going to do out there in Uganda? Well, thankfully, Miss Noreen McAfee gave you quite an extensive list of all the ministries that we're involved in, or that they are involved in already, Mr. Kerskadden and Noreen. So you think of all those ministries, well, really what we're going to do is we're going to draw alongside them, we're going to assist in those ministries uh, as well. So pray for those ministries, pray for us as we try to integrate into that team uh, to get into the work there. And then also beyond that, it is our intention to get out into that community surrounding Emmanuel Christian Academy. Uh, so pray to that end that we'll be able to get out there very effectively um, to reach that community. And it is in the hope that God willing down the line um, there'll be a church, at least one church planted in that community in one of those villages. So pray as we go around searching out where that would be most appropriate that the Lord would lead us in that and connect it to that ministry. We pray that you would pray with us um, that the Lord would give us the language. We, that's really key to getting out, to have those conversations with those people, that we get the language, we get the culture to be able to do that most effectively. And also in terms of ministry, pray for the Ugandans as well. Again, Noreen mentioned uh, the four men that are coming into the training um, with that um, correspondence course. So we're thankful for that. And of course, we ask and pray 
that more would join. But pray for the Ugandans. Uh, we think about church planting, and of course, we will take on, I'm sure, the pastor role for a time. But it's really the Ugandans that we want to see taking over those churches. It's their church, really. So pray that even now the Lord will be raising up those pastors, those elders, those committee men for the future, that he will put these ministries upon their hearts and they would take this work forward along with us. So pray to that end. So that's something we're going to do. Then some questions come along concerning the children, and one is, are you going to send your children to the school, uh, to Emmanuel Christian Academy? The answer to that is, well, yes, we are eventually. Um, but initially, we are going to homeschool. Actually, let me just correct that. Rachel is going to homeschool our children. <laughs> um, I'll be too busy with other things, I'm sure. No, I'll help out any way I can, but neither of us are teachers. That's really the thing. So we need a lot of prayer. Um, you know our children. If you come to Balamani, you know our children. They're, they can be live wires. So pray for a lot of grace that Rachel will be given that grace to be able to homeschool our children. But then eventually, as our children settle into life in Uganda as well, we will be eventually sending them to the school on site there. So it will always be a bit of both, though. We will always homeschool alongside that, just to keep them up to date with the British curriculum here, as you can understand. So pray for Rachel and pray for our children, in their, even in their education. Then a question comes, are you anxious about taking your family out there? Are you anxious? Well, I like to remind the folks that I meet on deputation, and again, you folks here in Balamone, if you've been brought up you've, here in Balamone, you've seen me, you know me, you'll know that there's nothing special about the Macaulays. I'm talking about my own personal family here, so there's a lot of Macaulays, but there's nothing special about us. Right? There's, we're just a normal run of the Mel family, and I always put to the people that sometimes you get the feeling that people look at missionaries and say they're, they're kind of a special breed, right? And by that, they maybe, they maybe don't think it, but they may be saying that we're a little less detached than most, that we're just able to, to get up, leave our country, leave our family, and go to the mission field. But I want to assure you that is not the case. I'm not going to get into it, but we are as attached to our family as anyone else. So pray for us in that regard, even as we come to, to leaving. We are attached to our home, so we're no different. And I also like to put to the people, if they ask me about what are you anxious about, will you imagine yourself, if you've got young children or you've got grandchildren, you imagine if you were taking your family or if your family was leaving, someone in your family was leaving, and you think about the questions that would go through your own head, uh, those, you, the anxieties you might have, those are just the same things that probably have already gone through our minds as well. So right there, if you even ask yourself that question, what would you be anxious about? Uh, whatever comes to your mind, you can pray about that concerning us. But one thing that I will say, and Rachel says it on the video, uh, some of you have maybe seen the video, some of you will see it in the future. But Rachel says on there that we go in the confidence that we are in the will of God. That's the best for us, and that goes right down to our children. And that's very true. You know, all those fears, all those anxieties that we might have, where do we take them? We really take them to the Lord and pray that we would continue to do that. We're going in His will, we believe that, and pray that we will just rest in that. That is the best place for us. And then the question is, when are you going? Finally, when are you going to leave? 
And the answer to that question is God willing in the summer. So the end of July, August time is really uh, what our plan would be. The mission board are keen to get us out there as we are as soon as possible uh, to get involved in the ministry. So we plan the end of the summer. Of course, it's all in the Lord's hands, but there's a lot has to happen. We mentioned the deputations and you've seen yesterday, if you were here, uh, there is the matter of the house summer for us to live. So these things all have to come together. And so I would just say to you, pray that they do, that the Lord's will would be, that would get out there in the summer. So that really, I hope, uh, even the little I've said here tonight, will give you a few ideas, indications to where we are now in this journey and going to the mission field. And again, before I sit down, I just do want to really emphasize that we appreciate everything that the people here have done for us, anyone who has prayed for us. Never, we never take that for granted. And anticipation that you will take these thing upon, things upon your heart and you'll continue to pray. We again just say, may the Lord bless you and the part that you play in this as well. So thank you. Thank you, David, for that report and for your, your honesty. Uh, we think of all the, the natural thoughts and apprehensions and fears that would go through any of our minds as we think of you going to Africa. And if you have children and grandchildren, as he, have said, as he has said, you just think of what you might think about them. Do pray about these things. There's many requests there. You know that you come from a praying congregation, and this church will take you upon their hearts and pray for you. And many others that are represented here tonight from various places will, will do likewise. So pray for David and for Rachel and for the children. And you, you are a special breed. <coughs> I always think that, that missionaries, all of them, are a special breed in the fact that God has called them put his hand upon them, commissioned them to go into the world, to the nations of the world, and bring the gospel to them. So that, of course, makes you special, as well as being part of the Macaulay breed as well. Uh, that's special also. And David, we'll have you back for deputation in our own church as well, just so that we can see the full video and uh, hear a full report from you. Now, we're delighted that Rebecca is here, and she is going to sing and uh, she was a wee bit apprehensive whether she would or not because she's been suffering like some of the rest of us with a cold, but she's going to come and minister in song. God bless you. <coughs> and immediately after that, we do have a, a DVD presentation from our brother who labors for the Lord in India. He's a member of this congregation as well, and we do love him in the Lord and we support him. So that will follow Rebecca's singing. Thank you.
It is hard to believe that the year 2023 has gone by so fast. In fact, we are already a few days into the new year, and I would like to take this time to thank all who have persevered in providing prayer and practical support for the work in India. Your prayers for us, and particularly for the cause of Christ, are much appreciated. And let me begin this report by sharing uh, a very encouraging news with you all. My dear brethren and sisters, the Lord is answering the collective prayers of his people in the lives of some orphans whom the board is currently supporting. Sadly, I cannot give any more details of that work here, but let me assure you that our team is working selflessly and dedicatedly, ensuring no stone remains unturned in respect of reaching out these precious children. The prayers of God's people for our church youth and Sunday school children are also being answered. Of late, we have witnessed a new zeal for Christ and his great commission in our young people. A girl of eight years and a girl of 13 years have come forward and confessed that they are sinners and that they have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal savior. We know that they could not have said these things independent of the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Some young adults have also shown keen interest in missions and they have resolved to serve Christ in capacities they can. We were also praying for the Bible college students who are connected with our congregation here that they would do well in their studies. The Lord has answered those prayers as well and I'm delighted to share with you all that those brethren and sisters who had enrolled for a diploma course under a reformed seminary in India have successfully completed their course with flying colors. We have received a special note from the college appreciating their diligence and dedication to the study of scriptures. We have been pleading with the Lord that he would grant us his grace so that we would not only be a channel of impact in the community around us, but beyond. And the Lord, in his infinite grace and mercy, has answered those prayers as well. Dear friends, God has opened a new door for us in that we have been granted a wonderful opportunity to reach out the African diaspora in our city. This group is made up of uh, young men and women from Uganda, Kenya, Liberia, Angola, South Sudan, Rwanda, Zimbabwe, Nigeria, Ethiopia, and Ghana. Sadly, again, I cannot give any more details in this video about that work, but in a nutshell, some of them have expressed their desire of attending our church, and I am in the process of trying to make things work for them. Please pray that the Lord would bless this outreach and touch the hearts of these precious people. Our feeble efforts to evangelize the local people have also been blessed. And as a result of God's grace on our work, three new people from different faiths have, become, have begun attending our church. May I encourage you to pray for their salvation as well, please. Dear brethren and sisters, I thank God for all he has done for his people through each of you in 2023. God did much last year and the year prior, 
And I believe with all my heart that what God has done in the last couple of years is just the beginning. And it is my prayer that God would do even more than what we can think, ask or imagine and that the Lord will continually extend the place of the gospel tent in India. So to that end, may I humbly request you to persevere in prayer for the continuance of the gospel in my country. I know that our work is difficult, but I also know that our work is very important and significant. So dear friends, there is, there is much work to be done this year. So please pray, please pray for strength for us to go forward with the Lord's work. Please pray that we will be faithful proclaimers of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one treasure of heaven. I thank you again for your practical and prayer support. God bless you all. And thanks again. Thank Rebecca for singing so appropriately tonight. We trust that that message and song will be a blessing. And we thank the Lord's servant also for this up-to-date report. And we do support him and we pray for him often in this congregation. Over 15 years ago, I had the privilege of going to the land of Romania for the very first time. Dr. Barnes had asked me to travel with him. And at that time, he showed me various aspects of the work. I've had the privilege over the past 15 years of being in Romania something like 31 times and 20 of those times my wife has been with me and she knows that there's nobody that I would rather have my, at my side traveling to Romania than her. She has been a great support to me and I thank her for that and for the congregation here for the love that you have for the land of Romania and others who have come alongside. Nearly two years ago, we sent out a couple of pallets to Timishwara of clothes and just to, to help the poor. And some of that was being brought down to the county of Bazo. We were asked by the mission if we didn't mind that the clothes were sent there. And of course we didn't. And so when we were visiting nearly two years ago in the month of February, it was the same time when the war broke out. That was the, the time that I referred to. We travelled from Timishwara down to Bazo for a couple of days. Bazo, we were told at that time, had a population, I was just looking it up, of over 400,000 people. It's a poor county. It's also poor not only in material things, but spiritually. And there's only five uh, small Baptist churches in that whole county and a few other little faithful witnesses. So it was a privilege for us to go down. Jonathan was with me at the time, and Aaron as well, uh, to see the work and to be introduced to one of the pastors who's with us tonight, and that is Pastor Bebe. You will know that visiting Romania, there are a people that are close to my heart, and that is the Roma people. I've always been fascinated by the story of Gypsy Smith. He's one of the portraits that we have in our fellowship area a young gypsy boy that was saved over 150 years ago who couldn't read or write, but he learned to read and write so that he could preach the gospel. He became one of the world's greatest evangelists, traveled to America over 50 times. He never forgot his own people, 
and he often came back to England and visited the Roma population. And they are a people that we have very much upon our hearts, and we long to see them saved. So to come alongside Pastor Bebe to visit his church, they're all Roma uh, people in his congregation, was a great enjoyment for us. And for those who have come with us, visited that area, been at the church at Badila, and also participated in the vocational Bible school, we want to thank you sincerely in the Lord. Our brother Bebby's here tonight. It's the first time that he has been to Northern Ireland, and he's going to give a personal word of testimony now, so we're going to invite him to come to the pulpit. And we welcome again Pastor Emmanuel Vassile, and he's going to translate. We thank both of you, brethren, for the fellowship that we enjoy in the gospel and for the encouragement that you've been to us. God bless you. So you have my name up on the screen. Church name is the same as the church in Campina. That's a coincidence. And I would like to thank, uh, thank you, Pastor, for the introduction. May God bless you. I'm uh, I have seven children. I am married to Nella, my wife. A very beautiful woman. So, forgive me, I'm nervous tonight. When I was 14, my mother passed away, and less than two months later, my father remarried. Perioada aceasta până la 22 de ani a fost o perioadă destul de grea. Am gustat abrupt, profund, din păcat și din fără de lege. So it was a very hard time for me starting that moment until I was about 22. Devenit, it was a time when I went deep into darkness and sin. Devenit un copil rău, exagerat de rău, încât multe din persoanele din zona noastră fugeau de mine. I became a very bad person, and many people in our uh, area where we live, they used to run away from me. They didn't want to have anything to, uh, in, in common with me. La vârsta de 22 de ani, m-am căsătorit cu Nela, care a smerit mult, multe bătăi din, și jurături, aproape 5 ani. In, when, I, when I turned 22, I got married to my wife now, to Nella, and for about five years she had to put up with a lot of suffering, um, beating, cursing. At the age of 27, the Lord had mercy on me, and He gave me a new life and a new future with Him. Acest lucru s-a întâmplat în uh, 1994, 4 ianuarie. This happened on the 4th of January 1994. Era o zi de marți. It was a Tuesday morning. Uh, după un timp de 
After a long time, it was more than 20 days probably that I had no water, only alcohol. Somehow I started to read the Bible. And I read in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. În care spune, în el avem răscumpărare prin sângele lui iertare păcatelor după bogățiile harului său. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Mai jos, în versetul 13, zice așa, apoi, voi după ce ați auzit cuvântul Evangheliei, mântuirii voastre ați crezut în el, s-ați fost pecerluit cu Duhul Sfânt. And then later in verse 13, it says, in whom he also trusted After that he heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after he believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. I was searched by this word, and I got down on my knees and I prayed, asking the Lord to have mercy on me, to forgive my sins. To forgive of everything that I have done before. The Lord was good to me, and He made me a new person. He changed my life. I was born again. When you experience changes like this with the Lord, There are also questions that come to mind. And I find those questions actually helpful to build the faith. One of the major questions that was in my mind at that time and still is in my mind now is this one. Who would possibly change a person and his, his words, the vocabulary that he's using from a person who uses a lot of cuss words to a person who speaks nicely? Who can change the mind of a person and even thoughts of suicide. If I would have lived a time of illness, maybe I would have needed a longer time to understand what was happening, but I understood immediately that that was the hand of God working in my life. This kind of questions uh, challenged me to come closer to God and to love God more and more. On that day of Tuesday, my wife, she was at the marketplace. So when she came home, I told her I repented of my sins. She did not believe me. I went to church that night and I told the church, I have repented of my sins. They did not believe me. 
și îl citasem deseori pe Pavel și Barnaba, atunci am văzut că pentru o perioadă de timp frații din biserică nu să aibă încredere în mine. I had Bible knowledge, I knew about Paul and about Barnabas in, in Acts, and I realized that for a period the people in the church they will not trust me. De atunci, viața mea de familie s-a schimbat. Starting that day, my family life changed. People in the community, they started to see a change in my life. My behavior was different and I started to help people to, uh, to help them understand uh, things about God. I tried to work more and more and, and to draw closer to people who love God and work for God. And this is the same with the church where I minister now. We are trying to build up people. In the church in Badila we have a mixture of people. There are a few Romanians, there are gypsies, and gypsies from different groups inside the people. So many people ask me, how can I minister in a church with um, so many differences between people? And I believe that it is God who started His work in me. He's the one who will help me to take this to the end. Getting closer to the end of my testimony, I would like to thank you as a church for supporting us. I would like to thank the elders uh, for supporting us. I would like to thank the pastor. May God bless you. Thank you for all the projects, social projects that you were involved, you were involved with us in our area. And please believe that you are an answer to our prayers, praying that God will work in our area and bring revival like in other places as well. Thank you. I'd like to thank both pastors, the one that testified and the one that did the translation. And we are encouraged. We know that uh, Pastor Bebe, he moved from a church uh, in the village of Chuta. And it's about two kilometers to Badila, but that, that's as the crow flies. So you would come across rough ground and that bridge that you saw last night. But really, it's a longer drive to come right round. And he moved. Uh, to a new area, to a new village, and started the church there. And God blessed, and there's about 80 members now that come to the church. And that was the place that we told you about. I think it was the second visit when we were going to meet with some children. They invited children in to say there was a visitor 
<coughs> who had come from Northern Ireland or from the United Kingdom, and we were told expect about 10 or 15. And then as we made the journey, that number grew and grew and grew until when we arrived, there were 80 children there and maybe about 20 adults and with the opportunity to present the gospel. They've recently just reached out to another village and they've started another brand new work. And within a very short period of time of a few months, there are now 80 people attending uh, that other place. So in the will of God, we'll get the opportunity to visit it as well. So thank you, brethren. May the Lord bless you and strengthen you in the work. And may the gospel go forth in the county of Bazeau. And may many converts be added to the Lord. Now we're glad to have our Hebron choir. We look forward to them ministering a song just now. And invite them to come and sing.
Just as the choir takes their place, let me thank them for ministering in song. That last mile of the way is very important. May the Lord help us to walk it well for his glory. And may we ever seek to burn out for him and for the great work of the gospel. May the Lord bless those messages in song. I want to bid you welcome uh, to Saturday night of our missionary weekend. We welcome each one. Some of you were here last night. You've returned again this evening. We thank you for that. You're visiting to the church here at Hebron. You've made a special effort to be here. Uh, by doing so, you are expressing uh, an interest in missionary work and you have uh, thoughts for the Great Commission and that, that is good. We're encouraged by your presence. And then we have those listening in on the internet and there's always as many, if not more, who join us on the internet. We would love to have had them present with us, but the fact that you're there at home uh, on your computer, your television, whatever way you're watching, we want to bid you welcome uh, to the meeting tonight. Also, just a few announcements. Supper will be served tonight for all that are here in the building, and we trust you can stay. In the morning, we have our prayer meeting at 8 o'clock, and we want to give that prayer meeting over to thinking about what's happening this weekend and just praying over what has been preached, the reports that have been given, and what we're going to hear tomorrow that God will really deal with us all as a people when we think of the Great Commission. Sunday school and Bible class are at the usual times. Pastor Emmanuel will be speaking at the Sunday school. The missionary weekend has two more meetings. So our regular worship service at 12 noon, the Reverend John Gray will be here. And then the evening service, the gospel meeting at 7, the Reverend David Brown will be here. Both of these men are members of the mission board. There is a time of prayer beforehand and supper will be served after the service tomorrow night. Our own week of prayer, we want you to set this aside, will be from Monday through to Friday night, each night at eight o'clock as we start the year together as a congregation in prayer. Do you remember on Saturday the 20th in Lisbon, the Youth Council is having a training day. We've mentioned that. We encourage young people to go to it. Our own Ladies' Fellowship has their next special meeting on the 7th of February, Wednesday night, the 7th at 8 o'clock, when Margaret Russell will be the speaker and our ladies from Hebron will be the singers. Just to mention two books for sale, The Son of the Living God, and these are Bible notes by Dr. Alan Kearns, and that's the book 695, and The Belfast Boy in Brazil, an appreciation of Dr. Bill Woods. Victor Maxwell is the author, and that is also 695. You can have both books for 12 pounds, and they're there at the door. If you need any other information, see Mervyn about that. We do miss our brother, Dr. Bill Woods. And he was here last year on the Friday night at the missionary weekend, and those that were present will remember the the wonderful challenge that he brought to all of us that gathered about missionary service. And he's now in glory. He's with the Lord. One day we're going to see him again. We'll be able to talk over the things, I'm sure, of Christian service here upon the earth. I'm positive that we'll be taken up with the Lord first and foremost. But, you know, we've got eternity. I don't know all that we'll be doing in eternity. But we'll be able to talk over the blessings that we knew in the church of Jesus Christ as we served him here on earth. 
We have an offering before the preacher comes and brings the missionary challenge, and your offering will go to the various works that are represented over this weekend. We sing together, 669, Hark, tis the shepherd's voice I hear out in the desert dark and drear, calling the lambs who have gone astray far from the shepherd's fold away. And what is our responsibility? It's to bring them in, to bring them in from the fields of sin and to bring wandering ones to Jesus. May the Lord help us to do that and engage in this work above all works in the incoming year. We'll keep our seats as we have the offering for the Lord's work. gives me the greatest joy to welcome the Reverend Joshua Moffat. I turn right up there, and so you begin to panic, but I hear the door opening behind me, and he's made it back into the pulpit, and it's a joy for me as his father-in-law to welcome him to our missionary weekend. Um, we trust that the Lord will take him and use him to speak to our hearts. We have followed his ministry in Bangor. We rejoice in what the Lord has been doing there and souls that have been saved and members added to the church. So we rejoice with him tonight and the congregation in Bangor in the goodness of God that the Lord has shown. And we're going to loose him now and let him go. He has a word from God, a word for your heart and mine. And so we sit up and we give attention to what God is saying 
through his servant tonight. Joshua, you're very welcome. You've come home uh, to Balamoni tonight. Feel at home. And may the Lord give you energy and power to preach the word. Amen. I want to thank the Reverend Park for his words of welcome. I thought that hymn was a bit longer. I thought I had time just to slip out and slip back in again. Clearly not. I apologize for that. But it's good to see you tonight. And it's good to be back amongst friends and amongst family. Please turn the Word of God to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9 is where we're reading from tonight. It is good to be back in Hebron. Leah would love to be here. Um, We were fully planning yesterday on all coming as a family. And we've all woken up today with many of them at home with a heavy dose, a big cold on them. So they were not able to make it just tonight. But I know Leah's watching online. Hopefully the children aren't and they're away to bed. But uh, it's good to be with you tonight, and it's good to see you. I've been given the responsibility to preach. It's the most nervous I've been preaching in quite some time. Uh, I once heard of a preacher, and he was asked to preach at a weekend, much like the weekend you're having here. And there were various speakers each night. And this preacher really thought he was something, and he thought he was the best preacher of them all. And you know, he came, he thought there'd be loads in attendance the night he preached, and he preached away as best he could. And he was standing at the door, and a wee boy came up to him at the door, and the wee boy had in his hand two 20 pence pieces and one 10 pence piece. And he said, Preacher, this is for you. And he was all thinking he was great. And he said, Son, is this because I preached so well that you wanted to pay me for the sermon? And he says, No, it's not that. I just know you need it. He says, what makes you think that I need 50p? He said, well, I was listening to what Daddy said to Mommy just after you preached, and Daddy leaned over to her, and he said, well, that boy's definitely the poorest preacher we've had yet this weekend. Well, I hope you're not saying that, and I hope I don't get 50p at the door tonight. I hope it's not a case of that. But it's good to be here, and uh, we do pray, and it's our prayer as we come to this weekend, that the Lord would challenge your heart with regards to missionary work. I want to preach tonight on the subject of the harvest hope, and we're looking down at our Bibles to Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to read the verses 35 through to verse 38. And God's Word says, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Amen. And it's the words there of verse 37 that I want to just focus in on for the time that remains tonight. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. With God's word open, let's bow for prayer and let's ask him to come and to visit us tonight. Heavenly Father, we do thank thee for the inerrancy, the infallibility, and the inspiration of the Word of God. Lord, we thank Thee 
that we come to a perfect word tonight, the perfect law of liberty. And Lord, we pray that as thy word goes forth, that it will accomplish that hitherto thou hast sent it. Lord, we read that parable of how a certain sower went forth unto sow. And Lord, we recognize there was nothing wrong with the seed. Lord, it was the ground that posed the problem. And Lord, tonight we pray that you would take away that hard and stony heart or that heart covered over with thorns that would choke up the Word of God. And Lord, we pray tonight that thy Word would take root in the hearts of men and women and that, Lord, it would bring forth fruit, some sixtyfold, some eightyfold, some a hundredfold. Heavenly Father, challenge hearts and souls tonight and advance thy kingdom, we pray. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I was reading this week of a missionary family. They were over in the land of China. And in 1949, the communist government took over China. And this missionary family was there in 1949. The following year, 1950, the authorities knocked on their door. And they told these Chinese, these missionaries over to China, they had two little girls, they told them, look, you need to be out of the country. What we're going to do is in two hours, we're going to return to your missionary compound, us and the military, and we're going to escort you to the border, and you're to make your way home from there. They said, all you can bring with you are 90 kilograms of belongings. We'll be back in two hours, get packing. Do you know that missionary family very quickly looked throughout their compound to see what they wanted to bring? There's that old rocking chair that's been in our family for years. We have to bring the rocking chair. Oh, there's that vase that we were presented with on our 10-year anniversary. Let's, let's bring it. Oh, I need the typewriter, but the typewriter's right in heavy. And one by one, they went through the house picking out their most prized possessions. In two hours, the soldiers returned. And they said, well, are you ready to go? They said, we are. They said, have you packed up your things? They said, we have. They said, have you reached 90 kilograms? They said, yes. And the soldiers looked at their belongings and they looked at the family. He said, does that weight include the weight of your two girls? Does that 90 kilograms include the weight of your children? And the missionary said, well, no. No, it doesn't. He says, count them in. They count towards your 90 kilograms. And all of a sudden, you see that, old, see that old rocking chair that meant so much? See that vase that held such sentimental value on those heirlooms and those typewriters? None of it mattered anymore. None of it mattered. It was all secondary because nothing was as important to that missionary family as the souls of their children. And isn't that the case? Uh, when we come to the context of the Lord's work and the Lord's mission field, as the church of Jesus Christ, there is nothing as vital, nothing as crucial, nothing as valuable to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ than the souls of men and women. Right throughout this world today, the souls of those dying in sin, there's nothing as precious. Do you know, friends, as a church, we can have the, the nicest pews, we can have the best preachers. We can have the grandest buildings. We can have the biggest bank accounts. We can have the prettiest music. But it's all secondary. It's all secondary to the one thing that really matters. And that's the souls of men. 
Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Do you know tonight, friend, there are millions right across our world, living and breathing, and they're dying in sin. And the Lord has given it to his church, his people, to go and to reach them and to tell them, I wonder tonight, are the souls of men the most important thing to you? Do you have a love for those who are dying in sin? Whenever I was asked to preach at this weekend, I couldn't get away from the words of Matthew chapter 9 and the verse 37. Christ there says, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. I want to speak tonight on the subject of the harvest of hope. Because as we look out to the mission field and the mission work, uh, not only of our denomination, but right across the world, it's not a bleak outlook. It's a harvest of hope. The Lord said, the harvest truly is plenteous. I want to notice just three things about the harvest of hope. I want you firstly to realize the potential of the harvest. The potential of the harvest. The Lord looked out to the multitude in Matthew 9, and what did he say? The harvest truly is plenteous. Some of you have maybe looked upon the paintings of James Whistler. He was an artist from the United States of America. And James Whistler, he ordered one time a set of blank canvases to be delivered to his home upon which he would paint his next masterpiece. Do you know at some point those canvases got lost in transit and they never made it to James Whistler's home? He phoned the postal service and they came around and they spoke to him and they said to Whistler, did the canvases have any value? Did they have any worth? Do you know what he replied? Not yet. Not yet. You see, James Whistler saw something in those canvases that nobody else could see. He saw them. He saw their potential. He saw that he could use them. He saw that a great work could be done upon them. And tonight, as the Lord Jesus Christ looks upon our world today, what does he see? He sees potential. He sees potential for his cause, for his gospel, for the souls of man. Boundless potential. And you and I need to get a sight of what Christ sees when he looks upon our world today. Notice three things about the potential of the harvest. Notice firstly that it is a plentiful potential. Look at what the Lord says here. The harvest truly is what? It is plenteous. That's the Greek word polos. And that word is used again in the New Testament. It's used in Revelation chapter 19 and the verse number 6. And there John on Patmos looks up into heaven and he sees the souls of redeemed saints at the marriage supper of the Lamb and they're praising God. And what does John write? I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude. And it's the same word used here for great multitude that's used in Matthew chapter 9. Christian, do you realize God has a great multitude in this world of ours today? You may be a small little Christian. You may belong to a small little church. You may be a member of a small little denomination on this small little island of ours. But let me remind you, our God is a great big God. 
And there's nothing small about his purpose and his mission in this world of ours today. He said the harvest is great. It's plenteous. It's grand. There's a vast multitude living in our world today, teeming millions, for whom Jesus Christ shed his precious blood. Let me remind you tonight, the harvest is plenteous. That great number that John saw when he looked up into heaven, that number hasn't been reached yet. There's still souls to win. There's still men and women to reach. There's still lost to be won for Christ. They're out there. And he's given it to his church not only as a duty, but as a privilege to go and to reach them for his name's sake. Do you know before any business can get off the ground, before any enterprise can begin, that business will have to show the bank, their creditors, their investors, that there's potential in the work they set out to do. I'm going to turn a profit. I'm going to be successful. Well, you might say, if we're going to embark on missionary work, and if I am going to give my life to serving the Lord on the mission field, is there potential? How are things going to fare out? Is there a cause in the world of ours today? Praise God there is. Because the harvest truly is plenteous. Christ said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I was reading this week of a man by the name of Robert A. Jaffrey. Robert A. Jaffrey was the heir to two massive newspaper companies over in the United States of America, and he was said to inherit both of these companies and to make millions. But you know, he felt the call of God to go to the land of China and there to serve the Lord as a missionary. No one could believe it, that he was turning down the opportunity to run these businesses, but he spent his time learning Chinese prior to going out. You know, there were some of those living in China who heard about Jaffrey. They knew of his acumen with regards to the business world, and now they discovered that he learned Chinese, and they sent him an offer via telegram for a considerable salary, saying, would you come and work for us? It was an oil company. Do you know, Jaffrey just responded in a telegram very politely, no thank you. Do you know, they sent him another telegram a couple of weeks later, double the initial salary. Insane amount of money back in the day in which Jaffrey lived. And Jaffrey once again, he says, no thank you, no thank you. They sent another telegram. And it simply said, Jaffrey at any cost. Jaffrey at any cost. But you know, he wrote back to them. And here's what he said. Yes, your salary is big, but your job's too small. Your salary is big, but your job is too small. You see, Jaffrey had his eyes on a work with greater potential, on a work with greater power, on a work with greater prospects, the work of Jesus Christ. My friend, there is no work on this earth with greater potential than the harvest which Christ has called us to go and to reach. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Will we do that? Whether it's here at home or whether it's yielding your life uh, to go and to serve the Lord on the foreign field, will you go and reach those who are lost outside of Christ? Friend, I don't want you to get the wrong idea of the work of God. The work of God is not this struggling little engine just struggling and trudging and uh, struggling on the harvest, Christ says, is plenteous. Why, why, why are we sending out David and his young family? 
Because the harvest is plenteous. Why are we sending out Glenn? Because the harvest is plenteous. What about Elizabeth? Because the harvest is plenteous. There are souls to be won for Christ. Let me ask, will you go in Jesus' name and reap souls for the Lord Jesus? That is a plentiful potential. But it's also a promised potential. I want you to notice what the Lord says there. He says the harvest truly is plenteous. Notice that word truly. Highlight it, circle it, underline it. The harvest is clearly, conclusively, and categorically plenteous. Prior to his return, it is God's will that he will save many countless souls out of sin in this world. That's not an if, that's not a but, that's not a maybe. That's a truly. Truly the Lord is going to work and move in our day. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God is going to save in Uganda, in Kenya, in Nepal, in India, in Pakistan? Do you believe that God can work? And if so, then go and do your part. And reach souls in the capacity in which you can for Him. Do you know the Bible time after time affirms the promise that it is God's will to save many. Revelation 5 and the verse number 9. There John sees a crowd in heaven. And there he, he writes those words in Revelation 5, 9. Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hath redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Global. Revelation 7 is the next reference. Verses 9 and verse 10. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb. The harvest truly is plenteous. Christ isn't lying. He has promised, he's put his name upon it, that he will save a vast, innumerable multitude of souls. And in that work, he is unhindered. He is unstoppable. He is unyielding. He is unrelenting. What a God. What a God. Friend, tonight, Christ hasn't promised defeat or humiliation. My Bible tells me he's promised total victory. Total victory of the increase of his kingdom. There shall be no and increase on increase on increase. Let me tell you this tonight, friend. It's not God's will to go backwards. It's not God's will to go waywards. It's God's will to go forwards. And I wonder tonight, will you go forwards with God? Maybe the Lord's been challenging you and stirring you with regards to what you could do for Christ. Let me ask in 2024, will you go forwards with God? Move onwards with Him. Maybe you say, but I couldn't do anything. I don't have talents. I don't have skill. I don't have what these other missionaries have. Well, friend, not only is he able to enable the unable to be able, but friend, tonight the victory that he has promised does not depend upon you. It doesn't depend upon your skill. It doesn't depend upon your talents. It depends on one thing and one thing alone, and that is the cross of Jesus Christ. Praise God, the victory Sure, and he has promised he will save vast, innumerable multitudes. Friend, you might say, I couldn't do it. Know this, the task in front of you is never greater than the power behind you. My friend, if God is stirring you, go and serve him in whatever capacity you can.
It is a plentiful potential. It's a promised potential. But I want you also to see that it is a present potential. And just notice that. Notice the grammar with which the Lord speaks. The harvest truly is plenteous. Not shall be. Not was 2,000 years ago. But right now, there's a plentiful harvest. When do we need missionaries? Now. When do the lost need one for Christ? Now. When do people need the Lord? They need the Lord now. Oh, it's pointless looking on and saying, oh yes, in years to come there might be a greater need. My friend, there's a need today for missionaries. There's a need today to go in Jesus' name and reach those outside of Christ. Do you remember John 4, 35? Christ speaking, and he's when speaking to the woman at the well, and then he turns to address his disciples. What did he remind them? Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And you know tonight, friends, as we sit here, there are myriads, myriads of people who are outside of Christ. Myriads of people living in our world today who have not heard of the Lord Jesus mighty to save. An age-old question of Paul comes to my mind and my heart. How shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall he preach except he be sent? Friend, tonight what an opportunity stands before you. Christ has promised his presence. He's promised his provision. He's promised his power. He's promised his potential. He's promised ultimately his prize. I wonder, will you go and serve the Lord? I wonder, will you go and in Jesus' name reach those who you can with the sound of the gospel? Do you know the questions often asked? When we enter into Calvinist theology and we read promises like this that God is going to save vast innumerable multitudes, the question inevitably comes, will the world be saved if we don't send the gospel? Will the world be saved if we don't send the gospel? I think the better question is this. Are we saved if we won't send the gospel? Are we saved really? If we don't see a need to send the gospel into the world of ours today, my friend, do you want to be part of a work that's growing? Do you want to be part of a work with potential? Do you want to be part of a work that pleases God? Do you want to be part of a work where there's room for you? Do you want to be part of a work which is the promise of divine success? Get involved in missionary work. Get involved in missionary work. My friend, the harvest truly is plenteous. So it's a plentiful harvest. But notice not only that, I want you to see the problem with the harvest. The problem with the harvest. You know, I heard of a man who went to his doctor and he was being examined. The doctor said, I'm sorry, sir. It's not a good diagnosis. I would only give you about 10. The man says, what do you mean 10? 10 weeks? 10 months? 10 years? The doctor said, nine, eight Seven, six. That man had problems on his horizon very, very soon. And the Lord, after speaking about the potential of his harvest field, he immediately addresses a problem. Look at verse 37 again. The harvest truly is plenteous, but here's the problem. The laborers are few. Do you know, as we think about the problems with regards to missionary work, I believe we can notice three 
problems. I want you to notice firstly the lack of sympathy. A lack of sympathy. It's important when you study the Word of God to pay attention to every word and every detail. And whenever we look at our text tonight, the verse 37, just notice that first word, then. Then. Now that's an indication that we need to go before that verse. If you find a then, look for the when. And if we find that when in the verse previous, the verse 36. Look with me. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Jesus Christ saw those that were dying in sin. He saw them as sheep without a shepherd, lost. And he was moved with love for them, with sympathy for them, with pity for them, with compassion for them, and with concern over them. Christ had a heartbeat for this world. I wonder the way. I wonder the way of this heartbeat that Christ had. I heard once the story of two hunters. And they were going through the forest one day. And as they entered into a clearing, there they saw in front of them a great big grizzly bear. They didn't know what to do. Do you know one of those hunters, he bent down very, very slowly. And he began to tie his shoelaces. Do you know his friend said to him, there's no way, friend, you're going to be able to outrun a grizzly bear. He said, I don't need to outrun any bear. I just need to outrun you. I just need to outrun you. And friend, isn't that the mentality of many Christians today? As long as I'm all right, as long as I'm saved, as long as I know I'm going to heaven, as long as I know my sins are gone, as long as I'm getting my mansion one day, it doesn't matter about Africa, it doesn't matter about India, it doesn't matter about Nepal. Is that the heart of Christ? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You and I have a Savior who was broken over the lost estate of man. A God who loved sinful men and women. And I believe, friends, as we look at our text tonight, the biggest hindrance to, one of the biggest hindrances to missionary work is not having a love for sinners. Not having a love for those dying in sin. We don't love sinners how Christ loves sinners. If we did, and if we saw sinners, how Christ sees them, and loved sinners, how Christ loves them, our Bible college would not be big enough, nor our mission board, to handle the intake of those who would go out and serve in Jesus' name. And so we need to pray, Lord, open my eyes. Give me a love for the lost. Give me a love for those who are perishing in our world today without a Savior. The Reverend George Pentecost was preaching one time in Edinburgh. And in the congregation was Horatius Bonner, the, the hymn writer. And Pentecost got great liberty that night and he enjoyed preaching. And Bonner came up to him afterwards. He said, you love to preach to men, don't you? George Pentecost said, well, yes, I do. And then Bonner asked him this question. But do you love the men you preach to? It's one thing to love preaching to men, but do you love the men you preach to? Do you have that Christ-like compassion? You see, friends, there'll never be a labor for the Savior until there's a love for the sinner. There'll never be a blessed service without a broken sympathy. There'll never be missionary service without messianic pity. One of the greatest hindrances 
to missionary endeavors is a lack of love to those lost in sin. Do you know in our world today, every year, 56 million people die. That equates roughly to 4.5 million a month, 153,000 a day, 6,000 an hour, just about two every second. Many of them headed out to a lost eternity. Does it move your heart as you consider that many are leaving this world to go out to a lost sinner's hell? Does it break your heart? Does it melt you? Are you moved with compassion as Christ was? It's been said that thriving churches love and loving churches thrive. I ask tonight, is your heart beating in time with God's? Do you love those who are dying in sin? Do you know Paul spoke in 1 Corinthians 13. And he talked about, oh, he could be the best preacher and the best worker and the best evangelist and the best missionary. But if he didn't have love, he was like sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. My friend, tonight, for all of our efforts, if we don't love those outside of Christ, my friend, we're of all men most miserable. I wonder tonight, do you love sinners? Do you love them? And do you long for them to be saved? That's a problem, a lack of sympathy. But also the Lord highlights in verse 37, there's also a leanness of servants. Look at what he says there. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Christ said that, by the way, in the Greek, in the present voice. Because it's been that case in every age of redemptive history. There's always been few laborers. Few compared to the masses and the millions who live in our world today. Do you know the friend today, there's no problem with the harvest. The harvest's white, the harvest's ripe, the harvest's ready. The problem is not with the harvest, the problem's with the harvesters. The ones who were sent to go and to bring in that harvest for the Lord. Uh, let me say this. Every truly saved believer, truly saved, must have within them that desire to reach souls outside of Christ. If you are truly and genuinely saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, you will desire to see souls one. And if you are truly saved, that desire will lead you to do something. Whether it's pray for missionary work, whether it's to fund missionary work, whether it's to go and serve on the mission field. But when you truly are saved, you will do something. And I go a step further. If you are saved, and right now, tonight, you're doing nothing with regards to missionary work. You're not praying, you're not supporting, you're not willing to be interested or to go. I tell you this, you're out of touch with God. You're out of touch with God. I know that's abrasive. I know people don't like hearing things like that. But my friend, remember the Great Commission? Christ said, go. And let me remind you, there's no omission to the commission. God said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. It's the will of God. If you are saved tonight and you're not praying for the lost, you're not reaching the lost, you're not inviting the lost to your local church, you're not drawing the lost, evangelizing the lost, singing the lost in any way you can, you are out of touch with God. And it doesn't matter how much you attend church or how much you put into the church or how 
many generations of a family attended the church before you. If you're not interested in missionary work, you're out of touch with the Savior. Because he's so interested in his mission in this world today. It is his will that his people be a serving people. Every saved person should be a serving person. Every redeemed person should be a reaching person. And you know, whenever you read a text like the one we've read tonight, there's three possible responses, aren't there? There's the response of okay. You read that, you read that the laborers are few, and you say, okay, I'll go. I'll go, the Lord has been working in my heart. I'll go and serve the Lord on the foreign field. Maybe you're not able to go to the foreign field. Well, your response should be not okay, but I'll pray. And you can pray for the work of God to go on and to go forward. But there's a third response, and that's to disobey. And tonight, as you leave this place tonight, you will have chosen one of those responses. Either you'll say, okay, I'll pray, or I'll disobey. Friend, which is it going to be? Are you going to go according to the call of God? Are you going to pray? Or are you going to ignore the great need that's out there? My friend, tonight the fields are ripe and harvest waiting. Who will go and work today? I want you also to notice the loss of sight. I'm thinking here, maybe not so much of our text, but John 4, that verse we mentioned earlier on, where the Lord said, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they're wide and ready to harvest. Do you know the disciples were so busy looking at their own affairs, looking at the things which were of earth, they forgot about the cause of Christ in the world. The Lord had to redirect their attention and redirect their gaze. Friends, so often we can be like that. I heard about a number of years ago, a big uh, business owner, a big CEO over in America, and he brought all of his salesmen into the room one day. And there was a huge big whiteboard in that room. And taking a permanent marker, he went to the middle of that whiteboard and he drew a tiny little dot right in the center. And he said to his man, what do you see? One of them put his hand up. He said, I see a dot. Another one put his hand up. He said, I see a black dot. Another one put his hand up and he said, I see a, a, a tiny circle. And round and round it went. You know, eventually the boss called an end to it all. He said, isn't it strange? that you all saw the black dot, but none of you mentioned the whiteness all around it. None of you mentioned the whiteness all around it. My friend, how many times do you and I spend our hours, our days, our weeks, our months, our years focusing on the little black dot of our lives? And yet the Lord has said that the fields are white all around us. Souls of men are living and dying outside of Christ where there is no vision the people perish. I wonder today, do we see missionary work as God sees it? Do we see the potential of his harvest? That it's plenty, that, that it's promised, that it's present. Do we see and do we realize even in our own heart the problems with regards to the harvest, that there's a loss of sight, that there's a leanness of servants and that there's a lack of sympathy? And I wonder, will you say, here am I, Lord. Send me, send me. I want you to notice, just in the last place, the prayer for the harvest. Because look with me at the next verse, verse 38. Pray ye therefore, that the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Maybe tonight you say, preacher, I can't go. I'm not able to go physically. I'm not able to go to the foreign 
mission field. I understand that, but let me encourage you. There's a way you can still be involved in the mission work of Christ. You can pray, therefore. You can pray and seek the face of God. You can pray for David as he goes. You can pray for, for Glenn. You can pray for all those missionaries who go and return to the field. Do you know William Carey? Aged and infirm, stricken in years, tired after many years of faithful service, said this to his friend, I cannot go to India on my feet, but I can go on my knees. I can't go to India on my feet, but I can go on my knees. Friend, tonight, you might not be able to go to Africa. You might not be able to go to Asia physically on your feet. But let me remind you, you must go on your knees. Three things before I close, very quickly. I want you to notice the attitude of the prayer. The Lord says, pray ye therefore. It's a command. And as we seek the will of God, we must follow that command. We must recognize the, the, the urgency and the need that's there. That we need to be on our knees. That we need to be seeking the face of God. He wills that such a recognition will take place. Most of us, most of us, will not be called into full-time service. But all of us are called into praying. Most of us will not be called to the field, but all of us are called to the closet. Friend, I wonder tonight, are you praying for missionary work? The advancing of Christ's kingdom in this world isn't a thing to pray for. It's the thing to pray for. The thing to pray for. I wonder, are you praying? I remember hearing a sermon many years ago by the Reverend Cairns. The Reverend Cairns simply had this to say, and it always stuck with me. I often remind it to our people in Bangor. Much prayer, much blessing. Little prayer, little blessing. No prayer, no blessing. My friend, if we want the Lord to bless the foreign mission field, we need to be men and women of much prayer. Will we follow the command of God and pray, therefore? The attitude of the prayer, I want you also to notice the asking of the prayer. Look at what we read in verse 38. Pray ye therefore, what should I pray? The Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Notice what he says there, that he will send. God knows who he's going to send. God makes no mistakes. Not in 6,000 years of redemptive history has the Lord made a mistake yet. And he's not going to start today. He knows who he's going to send to the foreign mission field. It's not up to the mission board. It's not up to the presbytery. It's not up to local ministers or elders. It's not up to you or me. It's God's will. It's God's work and it's going to be done God's way. My friend, we don't need men to recommend. We need God to send. And our prayer must be, God, raise up men and women of your choosing, of your divine appointment. Raise up men and women who are the right man and woman for the right purpose and the right need. You know, friend, tonight maybe the Lord has been stirring your heart. You've been feeling that pull and you've been feeling that challenge and that call to go and to apply to the Bible college, to apply to be a missionary or a minister. Moses, he said no. Jeremiah, he said, Lord, I'm too young. Jonah, he ran away. And yet they were all men that God chose. God knew best. And God's choice was right. Maybe in your mind and heart, you're just filled with arguments and debates. 
friend, I wonder, will you recognize God makes no mistakes? And if he's calling you to go, he will equip you. He'll be with you. He'll provide for you. Will you obey the call of God? Will you go to serve his precious name? And then lastly, as I close, I want you to notice the answering from the prayer. The answer from the prayer. We're praying here in verse 38 that God will send forth laborers. And you know, friends, as we close our meeting tonight, maybe tonight you are the answer to that prayer. Maybe as the mission board has been praying, as our presbytery has been praying, as Hebron has been praying, as Bangor has been praying, that God will raise up missionaries. Maybe it is tonight that you're the very answer to those prayers, that you are one of those laborers, those harvesters whom God is going to send. And tonight, the Lord, maybe in the preaching, maybe in the singing, maybe in the reports, has made it unmistakable. He's made it undeniable. He's made his work irresistible. My friend, tonight, would you make it known? Would you come after the meeting and speak to the Reverend Park? Would you speak to one of the elders here in Hebron? If God is calling you, don't wait another day. But come and serve in Jesus' name. In 1912, there was a man by the name of William Borden. He was a graduate of Yale University. He had his whole life in front of him. The man was a genius. And his parents had high hopes for what he would go on to do and what he would go on to be. And yet, he left behind his fame in the school and his fortune with his family and his friends in high places because he'd heard the call of God to go to the mission field and to go to China. His family told him he was mad. His friends told him, you've, you've lost it. Uh, there's no way you should be the one to go and to reach the lost with the sound of the gospel. But he knew God had called him. And so he went. Do you know in his travels, he only got as far as Egypt. Only got as far as the continent of Africa and he contracted cerebral meningitis. And at 20 years of age, he died. Do you know his family said, what a waste. What a waste of a life. His friends said, what a waste of a life. He was ridiculed in the eyes of so many. He was a total failure. And yet the last log in his diary was this. No reserve, no retreat, no regrets. No reserve, no retreat, no regrets. Do you know, friend, when I stand before God, I'll not be regretting the time I spent serving Him, laboring for Him, speaking to Him, praying to Him, preaching Him. I'll not be regretting those times. Tell you what I will be regretting. All the times I didn't. All those times I didn't. By and by, when I look on his face, beautiful face, thorn-shadowed face, by and by, when I look on his face, I'll wish I'd have given him more. Friend, tonight, don't have those regrets in eternity. Come tonight and say, here am I, send me, send me. And will you go on to serve the Lord with no reserve, no retreat? No regrets. Amen. And we trust the Lord will bless his word as it's gone forward tonight. Thank you. Thank you very much, Joshua, for the, the message tonight. Searched out our hearts. May the Lord help us to go at the command of the Lord. Give ourselves to him. And we're here 
We, we say that all through the weekend. We're here if we can be of help to encourage you, to counsel you. Uh, if the Lord's speaking to your heart, let us know about it and let us encourage you to go through with him. 681, so send I you to labor unrewarded, to serve unpaid, unloved, unsought, unknown, to bear rebuke, to suffer scorn and scoffing. So send I you to toil for me alone. I think it would be very fitting if Joshua's father closed in prayer tonight, our clerk of session, Brother Phil. And so during the singing of the hymn, we'll ask him to come to the pulpit and, and pray. Thank you.
I believe the Lord has been with us this evening. He's spoken in this service, spoken to my heart and to my soul. When I came into the service tonight, I simply prayed and said, Lord, will you, will you not speak to me tonight? And he has done. Challenged me, you know, with that thought, is our heartbeat in time with the heartbeat of God? Okay, I'll pray or I'll disobey. Let's bow together for prayer. Father in heaven, we sense thy presence this evening. We thank thee for thy word and for thy servant. We prayed for thine anointing this evening. And we ask thee that thou wouldst minister to our hearts and to our souls. And Lord, thou hast not been a disappointment this evening. We're very conscious, Lord, it's not about our ability as Christians. But it's about our availability for the cause of Christ. Are we doing and can we do for him? Lord, the answer should be yes. Lord, we pray that as we come to the moments of this service, thou wilt speak to us and us. Thou wilt do a word of grace. Will be those gathered with us this evening who will hear the clear call of God for his service. Will be those amongst us who will say, I will for Jesus. So, Lord, we pray that devil might not see away the seed word of God that is missing. For the harvest truth is plenty, but the labourers are few. Pray, therefore, that the Lord of the harvest will thrust forth labourers into his harvest. We thank thee, Lord, for the good things provided. We pray that thou wilt bless them to our bodily use and hallow our fellowship together. For we ask these things in the Saviour's precious and in his worthy name. Amen. Amen. Everybody said, Amen. I'll ask Joshua to go to the door. You can speak to him there. I'll be around the front here tonight. You can come and speak to me. If the Lord's been dealing with your heart, we'd like to hear. God bless you and pray for the two meetings tomorrow that we might have a real visitation of the Lord.